Hello everyone and welcome back to Inspires Coffee Conversations. I'm so glad that you've joined us. We have a, an amazingly exciting guest today, <laughs> the incredibly talented Kate Sir. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, so I guess I'm going to just kind of jump right in. You are an extremely talented songwriter, singer, actress. Who is Kate, sir? And <laughs> she's a complicated little person. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I think that she's just, if I could put her in a little, I don't know, embryo, I think she just would be a free spirit, a shapeshifter a little bit, um, but grounded in all of that. Like I love, I love singing. I also love the stage. I love writing. I love, so many different facets of the industry, voiceover work, that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, like I, I think that it's being multifaceted has in the end really helped me in my career. Whereas when I was younger, I had teachers say, oh, that, that's gonna be really difficult for you because you like so many things. And um, it's better to excel in one particular thing, like what you are, like, you know, your elevator line, what, what you do, who yeah. you are. I, that actually never resonated with me because I couldn't figure out just one thing that I wanted to be or wanted to do. And if some other opportunity came along, I really wanted to take it. So I think I've been able to open my heart to those experiences and not worry too much about labeling myself or putting myself in a box. As, as a child, did you, when did you kind of be like, I love being creative? And this is kind of what I want. Um, and even though your teachers were like, you, you have to be like this or this. Um, yeah, I, my mom would say that it started at a young age because I say, was, we lived in the country in Indian River and I was surrounded by endless magical opportunities like building forts and being in the forest. And I wasn't very good at sitting down in one place and focusing on, you know, academics when I was younger. Um, and so I think it started for me there. I, I started to, <laughs> on a tape recorder, record my own variety shows. So I would do like the commercial, <laughs> the song, you know, I put on different accents. I really loved doing Southern when I was younger. <laughs> Paint her way underwear ads. And then I would, you know, dress up in costumes and try to entertain my family with my infomercials on slim fast like I, I would have like put a pillow in my belly and be like rip it out I had like little bits when I was young and I think that's when it started and then my mom put me into choir because I was constantly singing and I loved it so much and I was always surrounded by cassette tapes I just I kept singing in the choir I sang in a lot of church choirs we weren't um, a very religious family but I was constantly singing in church choirs and I think that that's really where I started to figure it out that I wanted to do more of that. And then I did Kiwanis Music Festival. Mm -hmm. And from there, I met Mary Lou Fallis, who is a, a well-known Canadian opera singer. And she said to me, I think you have something here, don't give up. And so with my high school teacher, Steve Russell at PCVS, he kind of said, I agree. I don't think you should give up on this. I think you could go forward. So I did. I, I from It was those those two particular people that kind of invited me to push forward and I had great people surrounding me in Peterborough 
<laughs> as a child when you have a dream and then you start to realize it it must be like your soul just and spirit must just start to to glow almost right? yeah it's so interesting you say that because for me that's exactly it. it it was almost a visceral feeling as opposed to um a clinical thought i i didn't think i want i need to do that that's what i'm going to do with my life it was more we would go to Toronto, little country bumpkins coming to the city, and we would go see Beauty and the Beast, The Lion King, all of these musicals on the Mervish stage. And I would have a visceral reaction. So I would start to leak out of my eyeballs and I was just <laughs> taken. I was swept into the world of like Phantom and all of those things. And I remember just having the feeling that nothing else would ever make me feel that way. So that's where it's, for me, it was more of a, a feeling. And then when I got into high school, I loved sports. So I was more focused on that. I wasn't even in the arts program. And then I did the whiz in my last year and some Peterborough Theatre Guild shows. And then I knew, okay, like there's this world, like I was going to go into kinesiology, I thought. And oh, then there really? was the theatre world. And then I, I just realized it was the feeling. So I went with, with the feeling. It was it was hard to figure it all out but i i did by my last by my last year and then i applied to opera school and i went to western for singing opera school so is it i think of opera as maureen forrester kind of is that kind of basically what you're learning yeah it was opera opera it was classical singing um and that's kind of what I grew up studying in voice lessons with um, my first teacher was Bill Crane. I started when I was, he wouldn't take me any younger than 11 or something. I think I was 11 when I started. And, um, and that was a lot of classical and a lot of jazz, you know, um, the foundations. So classical really is the foundation. It, it is an amazing way to train. And slowly but surely, my little voice started to open up into op like I sang classical much more than I sang other things for a little period of time. Right. And then um, working with Margaret Maris, who is a well-known classical singer in town, I, I studied a lot more opera with her and then went to Western. But soon into that, Heather, I realized I'm in the wrong place. I do not <laughs> fit in here. I am not. We're not in Kansas anymore. It was a whole other world. And you had to decide whether you wanted to be in performance or teach. And I knew that I wasn't going to be a teacher, that I wanted to perform, but I didn't want to be on an opera stage. And I, I don't think I was good enough personally. I personally don't think so. My teachers were very encouraging, but um, it was theater, but it kept calling me. So yeah, I left. I left Western after my first year and I moved home. Right. And then I went to Humber College for four years. So, um, what has been your most exciting performance to date? I would say, um, Boots and Hearts was an exciting adventure for me. And the reason why it was so special was because I had Kate Brio by my side, who's one of my dearest friends, and my friend Andrew Shedden, Sam Sam Quinn, and Kyle Nurse, they came with me. And, and, and I'm not a professional. Oh so God. on 
So on your like sure. piece of paper, it's like who your merch manager, your manager. So I just put my friends' names down so they could come in my car. And my friend, my best friend Danny, was like, "I'm her merch manager," and she would like sell my t-shirts. So I remember that being incredibly exciting because of the people that I was with, and and we were all buzzing because it felt like this small like. We we're just small town people who, you know, are standing close to, you know, High Valley and all these people who who are professionals and, and and so that was exciting. I would say that was exciting for many reasons. And then um, I I do remember I did the Secret Garden here in Toronto, um, and again um, I just felt pinch me moments. So I never wanted to forget those because the people I was performing with, they were all, you know, from Broadway and from here and from here and Stratford. And I felt completely out of water. I just felt, I felt um, a little bit out of my skin. And I just remember looking around and hearing them all sing and thinking, this is a moment to remember. Like, don't forget this little moment, you know? So I would say those are tops probably for me That's... but it again it's the people around you right it's it's the it, it, none of those moments would have mattered if I didn't have blessed friends around me to celebrate in the joy so so in yeah. the theater families um and you must become super close do you does that carry over actually after you leave so for the time that a production is running is are these the people that you would like I know at like work work families, you know, sometimes you go out, well, pre-COVID, you could go out for dinner or drinks or whatever. So is and that- hug someone. A hug, right? Yeah. <laughs> is that the same or is it more, okay, we're done this show, I'll see you later, bye. If, how is it, or do you come actually extremely close? That's an interesting question because, yeah the the intensity of closeness is so very real and then the show ends everyone is sad or happy uh, <laughs> and then um you part and you then you're not talking every day you're just not right. and there are there's check-ins like i still have check-ins all the time with people and so i have these little pods of of dear friends that um are still friends we just don't talk every day but it's kind of like that school friend you've had like as you would know from like grade whatever and you don't have to talk every day to know that you're close and yeah so we often part ways we're not seeing each other every day after that but the bond is still there i know that you have been doing uh, an amazing thing the veranda society with meg murphy which is an awesome show um but how has covid been for you and what are your hopes, plans going forward? <laughs> That's just a light question, Heather. Just a really light one, sort of. Just a light one. <laughs> uh, my friends, I've been calling it the COVID coaster. Okay. And I, that is how I will explain it. It started, um, I was, or sometimes I'll call it the dippity do. I'm like, I'm in a dip. <laughs> I'm in the dip. And, um, yeah, there were lots of dips. There were lots of dips for sure. I, I don't want to sugarcoat and pretend like it was. Yeah. I am an empath and a highly sensitive person. So HSP intensely. And so 
it began um, like a physical, I started having physical reactions to all of it. Just stress, I, I could feel it in the world. I, I watched a lot of my friends lose a lot of money. Um, you know, my, yeah, a dear friend of mine owns a restaurant and he went into, you know, $175,000 worth of debt. Like there was just immense pressure and stress around the world and then the things that were going on in Italy, the, tra the tragedy in India, all of those things, they kind of tend to seep into my little body. So I was, I found it hard to survive COVID as an empath, but I'm working on that. Um, absolutely. I had some lovely therapy and um, most importantly, incredible friends. I'm sure we've all realized now more than ever, um, we are codependent yes, and we have to be like, mm -hmm. I know we're told that it's an unhealthy thing and sometimes it can be, but you know, I've been reading a lot about co-regulation and, you know, we were originally born in tribe and we were always around clans of people and we, you know, hunter gather, we helped each other survive. And I think we've become so individualized that we've forgotten how much we need one another. And this was a stark realization that, you know, being too isolated can make one sick. That was my biggest struggle. And then, you know, a lot of trying to figure out where I, where I fit in, in this world, being an artist, you know, this was a, another stark realization that it's really, we don't have backup plans. There is no benefits. Um, you know, my, I'm part of the equity union, but even in that, like the, the union itself needs theaters to be running in order for money to be going into the union and the actors didn't have money to pay. It was just kind of an, a crazy thing. So I realized a lot of things about my career. You have an exciting thing that you're going to do this summer. Yes. We're going to perform. Can you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yeah, we're out at Fourth Line Theater and, um, oh gosh, an 80 minute show. So how wonderful and outside. So it's safe. And um, yeah, we have an amazing team behind us. And Kim Blackwell has been, once again, it's just so insanely supportive of us on this venture. And she came to all of our shows. She had one at her place and she came for St. Patty's and Christmas at Showplace. And then she approached us and just said, would you want to? And we're like, are you kidding me? Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's amazing, right? Resounding, yes. Yeah, so we're really looking forward to that. We have Saskia Tompkins coming with us. I don't know if you know Saskia, but she's the most incredible fiddle, cello, multi-instrumentalist. So she'll be with us which will be a, a wonderful addition. And Kim and Linda Cash are helping us out with direction and dramaturging and yeah. Okay. Really So excited. will it just be the three of you performing then? So, oh, wow. Okay. So three. it's a three moment. They're naked. Yeah. They're naked. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's going to be amazing. That's yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Oh, we're, yeah. We're writing and, and trying to, we're, we're really hoping to put together a show that um, will be something for everybody and to honor what we've gone through as a collective, but also to levity, bring in some joy. What would you say to any young woman that wants to go into an artistic career? 
Oh, being realistic and having a dream. They're, they're two very, it's almost like dichotomy. It's like such a weird thing to put. Mm -hmm. Dreams seem magical and ethereal and not so tangible. And I, I think being realistic in one's dream is actually very important sometimes. Because um, you have, I would say you have to want it badly enough, you know, and not yet. Yeah, just because it's hard, it doesn't mean you can't do it. No, you just have to really put your heart in. Right? Everything has to go into it. Absolutely. Yeah, because it's actually a, a um, there are so many moments when you question yourself. I will say that. It's a, it's a, it's a, there's questioning periods. Am I good enough? Uh, why didn't I get that gig? Um, was I too tall? Was I too short? Maybe I should dye my hair. Like there are so many weird little idiosyncrasies in our career of why you don't get the job and this and that. So I, I would just recommend, and I recommend to my students when I am teaching, it's sponge, do the work, soak it in, do the workshops, train. And once you build your foundation, then you go out there when you're ready and you fight for it. Oh. Do a hundred, do a hundred auditions and you might get one. And then that's awesome. That, right. And be prepared for that. That's part of the realism. I think is there has to be realism in this world in that particular for me. Yeah. Because I didn't have realism going into it and I wish I had a little bit more of it. I have it now and it's such a healthy balance that I can let it go. I go into the audition room, I do my job. I work so hard for that three minutes you're in there. Like I'll spend two weeks on three minutes. So I'm working, working every single day. You go into the audition room, you're in front of 10 people who are writing and may, may look up, may not. And you give your soul and you do the work and then you leave and you let it fly. And it's gone, you know? You did your best. You did your job. Yeah. You have a wonderful day. Big hugs. Big hugs. Yeah. Big hugs. Talk and we will see you soon. Okay. Take care. Bye. Okay. Bye. Thank you. <laughs>